0: Open the eyes of our hearts, dear Lord, that we may see the wonders of your word. Amen. Today we are in the new book of Esther. The book of Esther actually belongs to the period before the book of Nehemiah. The kingdom of Judah was taken into the Babylonian exile because of the disobedience of God. We saw how Babylon was the world superpower at that point of time. Then came the next superpower, Persia which overthrew babylon some jews had returned to jerusalem where they enjoyed a reasonable amount of control of their own affairs under zerubbabel and ezra by this time the temple had been constructed by zerubbabel as well in jerusalem you can see all these in the attached picture we also saw how some of the people chose to remain in exile because they saw it as convenient rather than come back to Jerusalem and start all over again. The book of Esther also tells us that God did not abandon those people. He rather gave them a second chance. Our God is a God of second chances. Among those people living in exile, God had certain people of his own as well. Just like how in 2nd Chronicles Chapter 18 we saw about the prophet Micaiah, the son of Imla. So just like that godly Micaiah, we have a godly Mordecai here in this book of Esther as well. What was the reason for this book of Esther? It was to show how the Jews came to celebrate the festival of Purim. But more than that, The book of Esther is part of a much larger plot that runs from Abraham to Jesus Christ and from Jesus Christ to the church even today. If Haman had succeeded, the Jewish people would have been annihilated, and God's saving hand and his plan for the people of Israel and thereby through them to the people of the nations of the world, would have come to a jarring stop there would have been no fulfillment in jesus christ of all the promises and there would have been no gospel and there would have been no church so when we read the book of esther we are to see it as part of our own heritage the book of esther teaches us that god takes care of his own chosen people The book of Esther outlines divine providence. Esther is the only book in the Bible to not mention God by name. However, we see God operating in the background. So it shows us that God's providence is still there even when he is hidden. The book of Esther also shows us the responsibility that we as humans have. God used Mordecai and Esther because they submitted to his will. The book of Esther also teaches us a very important thing, the true power of wickedness. King Xerxes and Haman were important people in this book who had considerable power. But the book of Esther makes us laugh at their expense. You see the proud people of this world are not nearly as powerful as they seem. When they oppose God's people, they bring about their own destruction. The book of Esther teaches us that God is also the great promise keeper. This book shows us that God is indeed honoring his promises through his eternal covenant that he made with Abraham and David. As I am recording this, I have just come back from a funeral. It tells us that life can be hard, difficult times happen. And pain cannot be avoided. It is the same for Christians and non-Christians alike. However, when life doesn't make sense, who do we turn to? Do we turn to God or we turn away from Him? Jesus called us as His friends in John 15:15. 15, 15, and the Holy Spirit is our helper in John 14:26. When we trust and obey just like Esther and Mordecai did. God will silently weave all the events, good and bad, for his glory and for our own good as we see in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. So in verse 1 we see this happened during the days of King Xerxes. Ahasuerus is actually the name of all the kings of Persia just like how Pharaoh is the name of all the kings of Egypt. It was a title meaning the great father and this event happened in Shushan the citadel the very same one where Nehemiah stayed as well. King Zex's kingdom was very vast comprising of all the countries like Turkey, Iraq, Iran, Pakistan, Jordan, Lebanon, Israel and also Egypt, Sudan, Libya, Arabia and Africa. In verses 3 to 9, the author writes about three royal feasts. In this whole book of Esther, the author weaves the story around eight feasts. The author uses a Hebrew pattern called Chiastic Literature pattern, which is used to compare and contrast two different narratives. On the one side, the author is talking about the danger, and at the same time, on the opposite end, he weaves the victory. So, the first feast of the king lasted for 180 days. These feasts by the king were a means of showing off his power and wealth. The second feast, he threw it for the citizens of the capital city, Shushan, which lasted for seven days. Queen Vashti also had a separate feast for the women. In verse 10 we see, on the seventh day of the second feast, When the king was drunk, he asked his queen to come forward and array herself in the royal crown. But Queen Vashti refused to come. So the king was angered and he asked his counsellors, What shall we do with this queen who disobeys me? This was a male chauvinistic society. And one of his counsellors answered that Vashti shall come no more before King Xerxes and the king should give her royal position as queen to another who is better than she. You see this king Xerxes was a madman. He should have honored his own wife. History also tells us that once when Xerxes constructed the pontoon bridges, there was a storm that destroyed his first pontoon bridge. The enraged Xerxes ordered the sea to be whipped. That's something only a madman will do. So you can understand how mad he was when he was angry. Queen Vashti showed character. Queen Vashti is a great example of how a woman should behave. In the Bible, we read in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 to 23. Wives, submit your husbands as to the Lord. In today's world, submission has a bad connotation. When they hear wives submit your husbands, they feel that it is demeaning. But in my opinion, the husbands are given a far more severe command. Husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies, as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He loved it even while the church disobeys him, while the church turns its back on him. And that is a far greater thing to do. However, submission in marriage is not being a servant, or a sign of weakness. Submission is a great degree of character and strength. Submission is not demeaning, degrading or humiliating. It's not as if she should be a yes man or a doormat. It does not mean the wife should not have opinions on her own. What Bible teaches as submission is that the wife should have a heart of being supportive to her husband by actually choosing to do so and not because it is merely commanded to do so. When a wife chooses to support her husband, she is empowering him to have the self-respect he needs. He will develop into the kind of man that God expects of him, of protecting, of providing, and nurturing and leading his family. Jesus Christ submitted to God the Father and the wives are to submit in that exact manner as well. This brings contentment and satisfaction to the couple and to the marriage. And in this first chapter, we have still yet to see the star of the book, yes, Esther. Actually the name Esther means the star Venus, the morning star, which sheds its light long after all the other stars have ceased to shine. Right before the sun comes up, Venus is the star that still shines. This is symbolic of how Esther was shining like a star through the dark times of Israel's history and we are called to be shining like stars. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 we read, "The wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever." And in Philippians chapter 2 verse 15 we read, So that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine like stars in the sky. The book of Esther encourages us to be such stars shining among this crooked and perverse generation of this world. May God bless these words. Amen.